The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to the Radiate Wellness Podcast. I'm your host, Christy Clemens Hoffman. Each week we will discuss tools, tips, and ways to radiate your best life ever, interviewing practitioners, authors, and luminaries to help you on your path. Wellness, joy, peace, abundance. What do you want to radiate? Hello and welcome to the Radiate Wellness Podcast. Today I am joined by Kak Young to radiate intelligence. Kak is the author of Crystal Power, 12 Essential Crystals for Health and Healing. This is right up my alley. Hello, Kak. It's so good to see you. Thank you. It's lovely to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, if you're watching on YouTube then you'll see all of these wonderful books behind CAC. These are all <laughs> things that you've written. Yes. All your titles. Oh, my goodness. You're so prolific, and you do so many, of the, so many of the things that I enjoy and that I'm into. So Crystal Power, um, what, why did you decide to write a book about crystals and gems? Well, um, it really kind of all started uh, back when I was in show business. I was a producer director for 25 years, and we have a thing called a hiatus at the end of each uh, filming or taping session for television shows. And that hiatus, it gives a break to the production staff and crew and enables the writers to get on and write the next season. So in that time, I would find ways throughout my life to connect with uh, spiritual and metaphysical teachers. And one of those people was Frank Alper. And he had worked for IBM for many, many years as a scientist. He was responsible for exploring how crystals worked in technology and computers and what they were developing in the telephone world, um, in televisions. So he became so enamored with what crystals can do technologically that he began to apply them metaphysically as well. So he actually left IBM 
took all of his well-earned stock and began teaching metaphysics and crystals. And I took one of his classes. So in doing that, I learned about crystals. I learned an awful lot of technology about them and why they were important, not just, oh, gee, they're pretty, or oh, gee, I like their shape. It was really, you know, a more scientific approach. So then he did an implantation ceremony with all of us students who had taken the first level and come back and taken the intermediate and advanced with him. And he came to me and he did the implantation and he said, oh, I can tell you have the gift of stones. Well, at the time, I didn't know what that meant, but I began to collect crystals and buy them. And if I was, uh, I studied shamanism in, in Hawaii for a while and I would find a crystal or two there. And I collected my own specific group of crystals. So after a while, I began to use them in my practices as well, in my um, spiritual counseling, in the hypnotherapy. And when people wanted to change their life, I wanted to show them how they can use a little bit extra power from nature in connecting with the crystals and how they can really um, accelerate their change. And in doing so, I learned a lot myself and information came to me. And then when Frank died in uh, 2011, I believe it was, uh, I contacted his wife and said, here's what I do. And um, I teach classes and I use them in my work. So she gave me a lot of Frank's old files and she gave me a lot of things that he had worked on and said, here, continue it. Well, I felt that that was a beautiful gift and that what I wanted to do was share what I knew from the ground up about crystals and how people could really integrate them and use them in their life. So I chose uh, 12 basic crystals to start with, get to know them as friends, get to know them intimately, begin to work with them, you know, don't be overwhelmed with all of the crystals and all of the shapes and all of the complicated things that people get into just start little and i wanted them to really become educated in these 12 crystals so uh, that's a very long answer but that's why i wrote the book i wanted to pass on what i have learned so that uh, other people can begin to utilize them and respect them at the deep level that i do Oh my goodness, that's wonderful. I, of course, I use crystals in, in my practice as well. You can see I've got an adventuring angel on the shelf, snowflake obsidian. Uh, I can't remember what the stone is called, but I've got I've got them all over. They're powerhouses. And so 12 of them, what, which 12 did you choose? Well, it's all in the book. Um, I chose them because they are... I, I, if I were setting a dinner party for 12 of my best friends and I wanted them to get along and support each other and have good conversation and be interactive, which 12 would I select? So I did that with the crystals. I picked out 12 that I 
felt would be the good uh, starting place for people to interact with them, to get to know them, and ones that would be able to interact with each other and support each other in the work that you want to do with them. So I selected my 12 basic crystals that I thought would be, uh, you know, level one. And uh, of course, the first one is the all healer, the universal healer, uh, clear rock quartz, rock crystal quartz. So that's, you know, the number one guy. If I uh, just took one to a desert island, it would be that one. Yeah, exactly. Right. I'm sure you've got amethyst in there, citrine, many others as well. But I love the idea of the dinner party. This is a visual for me that just you want you want ones that contribute to well together, interact together, cover all of the bases of the interesting conversation that you would want to have at this dinner party, right? I love this concept. And so you've been using them for quite a while, and you said you use them in your practice. So you do some fantastic stuff. Fill us in on all of the wonderful things that you do. Well, <laughs> I write, I use crystals, I see clients, I figure out what they, I use different modalities. Now, I'm, I I believe you may not have had a chance to read the book yet, so I'll make sure that you get a copy. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, I don't know how we missed that, but um, the book is has a lot of healing uh, modalities towards the end. I use uh, chakras. I use uh, the 12 laws of karma. I use astrology. And... Uh, I use um, the archetypal wheel as well. And what I have set up is when people come to see me, whatever it is they want to heal, I really uh, wait for them to tell me things about themselves that will lead me to suggest one of the healing modalities that we might use you know for example if people came to me and they were speaking a different foreign language i would have to make sure that i understood that language before i could help them so i find a common ground between me and my clients and i use that as a way that we can communicate experiment interact and really uh have something besides just their story to talk about, if you know what I mean. Oh, um, we want to have their feelings involved. We want to have archetypes. We want to have goddesses. We want to have whatever it is they relate to. So I am um, dexterous among all of these disciplines and whatever I think works for them that's what we work in. So we might take, for example, if we're going, if someone likes uh, goddesses or angels or whatever they uh, are attuned to, we will take the qualities of Diana and perhaps we will look at what Demeter can offer. Maybe we need to bring in Artemis, you know, perhaps 
Hera needs to be strengthened. So whatever the parts and participles are of all of us that make up who we are, that's what we work on. We take away what is maybe unbalanced in one way or another, and then we add in what we need. So I do that with crystal help as well and with and by using essential oils. So what Ever, I think will bring them into um, a, a real growth into the qualities that they want to manifest. That's the technique that I use, and I will do crystals. You know, one thing I'm uh, I don't do is put the same color crystal on the chakra. For example, a lot of therapists do that. Right? Yeah. And, that's really not effective. Uh, all that does is say it just like identifies, okay, here's the area. But what you want to do is work with that. Either we are able to communicate or we have a, a reserve, a problem with that. So we'd want to strengthen communication. What's blocking that? Is it our thinking? Is it our emotions? Is it our belief system? Why can't we communicate our needs, our wants, our loves, our fears, what's wrong, what's blocking that. So rather than putting the turquoise stone there, I will take other stones that represent what the blockages are and something that will break those blockages up and give them what they need, perhaps it's self-love. So I would choose a rose quartz. Perhaps it is a tourmaline. They, they need black tourmaline to get rid of some negativity. So I will choose the stones based on what we want to take away and what we want to put in or what we want to support. So that's how I would use them in the practice. But there's no set way. It varies with each client and whatever they resonate to. That's what I uh, bring out and concentrate on. Oh, I love that. Yes, because there's so many different ways we can use crystals. And I love your approach. Um, I'm looking at the galley of your of your book, an advanced copy of your book. Um, and you, you, you really break it down. You've got the, the first chapter is Art of Healing with Crystals, just kind of a general overview. But you also break it down into the colors of the crystals. Healing through opposites, which I love. This that is that is beautiful, wonderful. I can't wait to bring that into my practice as well. But also essential oils, which I also use essential oils in my practice, which is nice. Um, the laws of karma with these different crystals, archetypes, ast astrology, all of the different ways to use these crystals is just um, very comprehensive. And all of this came from. From this gentleman? No, of course not. Uh, this is my work. But the basis of how I got involved with crystals came from Frank Alpert. So no, all of this is what I have uh, developed over 35 years. And this is what, uh, you know, how it has evolved in me. And I'm hoping that this will be the seed that starts in other people. And they will take this and improve on it and make it their own and use use it as a as a starting point you know start thinking out of the box start thinking in combination start 
putting a lot of things together that support the work where you're headed. I mean, each client that I take in, I really do a lot of pre-work on and find out a lot about them as much as I can, their background, the whatever they have told me, uh, whatever is out there in print, um, you know, whatever. Um, I, I sometimes work with famous people, so that's easy to find. And I would find out what... Uh, might be a history or, you know, I can kind of read where they're at when, when we talk or when we get together. So, yes, um, it all fits in together to paint a picture for me that I can then uh, work with how to help them move forward in whatever area they, they want to. Yes, wonderful. So you've, you've got quite a background in this. You've been doing this healing work for quite a while. You've got a PhD, um, and you do hypnotherapy, but also production, film production. I, yeah, that's, that's kind of an unusual thing for someone who works with crystals and who, who does healing modalities. How did you get into all of this? How did you get into healing work? Well, when I was, uh, I worked my way up in television from uh, stage manager to associate director, director, producer. And um, so I, as I was coming up the ladder, one of the first shows I was on was the Share series for CBS. And mm-hmm. I was the second stage manager and the head stage manager um, dropped dead in front of me one morning at 730 in the morning. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, he was only 55 and he had been a dancer. So he was very trim and uh, but he smoked and he drank a lot of Coca-Cola and and sort of lived on that. And one day just boom, heart attack out. So I had the whole show to run uh, at the uh, ripe old age of about 23. And our guests were Elton John and Michael Jackson. And, you know, it was a pretty heavy slate. And I was the only, you know, I was the the head person all of a sudden. So I decided after collapsing at the end of the day um, that I needed to begin to take care of myself or I could be, you you know, dead at 55 as well. And the, the thing is that back in those times in the 70s and 80s, women had to work a lot harder than men to just be in the middle. And if I wanted to succeed, I knew I was going to have to be twice as good, twice as diligent, twice as uh, smart as, you know, my competition. So I didn't want to overwork myself and I wanted to have a balanced life. And that's where it really began. It began with a death. And I began to use my six weeks in my hiatus periods uh, as time to really Uh, So my garden, the garden of wealth, of knowledge that would provide me with ways to heal myself, to help heal others and still pursue the very fun and challenge of show business. So that's how that started. Oh, my goodness. And then which which avenues did you did you feel like you needed to pursue first? Where did you where'd you even start? Where'd you turn to? I I learned about crystals, and then I began to experiment with essential oils, 
and Bach flowers. And then I uh, got my first PhD. I have three. <laughs> and I got my first PhD in, um, in natural healing. And then I have another doctorate in naturopathy because I wanted to learn all about herbs and how to really stay healthy naturally. And then I got um, uh, my other doctorate in uh, clinical hypnotherapy, you know, and uh, thank goodness for the online ability and computer ability to do distance learning because I did all of this in the uh, late 80s and 90s. And that's when I really got my education in between uh, the shows that I was doing. And, you know, and I did some pretty, you know, heavy shows. I toured with Neil Diamond in 1976 and did a live concert from Australia. I did rock and roll shows with Dick Clark on a series called In Concert. I shot the la the Rolling Stones. It was their it was their fake last concert, but we shot that, you know, at the Coliseum. And um, so a lot of music shows, a lot of series that I created for some big sponsors, and I won some awards. And it, it was fun. It was always busy, but there's always a time off. There's always a little downtime, and I didn't want to just uh you know sit there and stare at the walls i wanted to learn something different and alternative and so i did plus i when i did talk shows when i directed talk shows you meet a lot of interesting people and you you they come through your you know they come through your set and you don't get to interact with them too much but you get to be exposed to their information and their learning so i would you know, I had a good education. I picked up on all kinds of um, psychic people and uh, people who do alternative health. And uh, so it was a wonderful uh, education that I got. And I was able to then parlay it into my life and turned a lot of it into books. <laughs> Support for the Radiate Wellness Podcast is made possible in part by listeners like you. Would you like to support this podcast? Visit radiatewellnesscommunity.com slash podcast for more information. You have written about 23 books. 25 now, but yeah, 23, <laughs> 23 when that press release came out. Now it's 25. Oh my God. And, and But not just all about one thing. There's the Food Lover's Guide to Heart Healthy Eating. Discover Your Spiritual Genius. Feng Shui, Dancing with the Moon. There's One Minute Cat Manager, which just cracks me up. You can't manage cats. <laughs> or maybe you can. I don't know. The Enlightened Person's Guide to Raising a Dog. I mean, it's just so many different areas that you've, that you've written in and practiced in. How have you cramped all of this education into one life? That's well, I'll tell you a little secret. What's that? I have Irish roots and we are storytellers. So whenever I some experience happens to me, I tell it like a story. And some of my friends would say, oh, my gosh, you should write books. And so I began to think, all right, well, when I adopted a dog named Tallulah, uh, it was 
<laughs> something that I hadn't planned on. I've owned, well, I've raised cats. I've I've had the honor of serving them for 40 years. So I, I adopted a dog and I thought this would be a good thing to do. And she was lovely to begin with. And then all of her problems started to show up from when she had been abused as a puppy. She had been adopted and as a puppy from a shelter, uh, kept for three years and then returned. And in that process, of uh, the people that had her probably didn't know that you shouldn't taunt a dog, you shouldn't threaten a dog. She came to me and she was afraid of the garden hose. She was afraid of any kind of a stick or broom that you would hold. She was afraid of a hairbrush. So all of these things uh, mounted up to be things that were the result of abuse. Now, one of my very good friends lives in England, and her name is Lisa Tenzendolma. And Lisa happens to have an organization called IC. Anyway, it's the International School of Pets, of Dog Psychology, Canine Psychology, ISCP. And so she was advising me what to do. And I said, Hey, Lisa, let's write this down. She said, Good idea. So I would write the story about what Tallulah did or didn't do or, you know, what I was trying to get her to do. And then Lisa chimes in on the other side and says, all right, now here's how you accomplish that. Here's what you do. So it's really kind of a living how-to manual of getting a dog. Now, I happen to have adopted a dog that is very, very sweet and very, very darling, but had some behavioral problems. Mm -hmm. So... Lisa specializes in taking care of these behavioral problems. So we came up with a book that entertaining, it makes a lot of people laugh, and then they get the corrective measures. So, and we're very, you know, supportive of animal rights, and we want people to train them fearlessly without any kind of fear or abuse. So we uh, wrote that book, hoping that people would buy it and give it away. And first, people who are interested in a dog or who have one already and just want to learn more. So there, that's that. And then the One Minute Cat Manager followed because I said, well, you know, I learned a lot of things about dealing with my cats. And people just come to me all the time. Oh, my cat's doing this. Help me with that. Uh, probably because I have, you know, a, a doctorate in natural healing. They think I also know everything about pets, but um, so I would help them. And then I figured, well, let me talk about my techniques that I have developed with cats and how effective they are. And mostly it is to honor the cat and to say, these are different creatures than people and we must respect who they are, what they do, and then we can get results. And I've had cats that have lived 24 years. I, I have a new cat now that is the subject of my Facebook and he is into things and he is hilarious. So of course I'm writing about that. And of course it will be a book. Um, it, he, he's just, you know, on all the time. And I got him from the hood. I got him in South Central Los Angeles. So he, you know, he already came here with a fighting spirit. He's just fabulous. He's 
just wonderful. I'm, I'm, you know, so pleased and honored to have him in my life. What's his name? Spirit. Of course. He came with that name. He, <laughs> they had named him. He came from um, Kitty Bungalow Charm School for Wayward Cats. That's where he came from. And they had named him Spirit. I have to make a pilgrimage to this place. Oh yeah, it's best. It's right, right in the heart of South Central Los Angeles, and uh, and Little Spirit was there. And I said, "Oh yes, you are, you are mine. Let me get you." So I had to. I got him through a friend in New York who knew some people at Kitty Bungalow, and so my connections come um, <laughs> through a friend in New York of all places. So anyway, that's how he got here. But yeah, he'll be a book too because you just can't resist all these wonderful things they do. They are hilarious, and they each each and every one of them has their own personality. Yes, indeed. Oh my gosh, it is so fun. So I mean. It's, it's just amazing all of these different topics and titles that you have have written about. Uh, what, what do you think is maybe your favorite thing to write about? Um, oh, gosh, whatever I'm interested in in the moment, you know? <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, I've got uh, two novels that I wrote, uh, one last spring and one last fall. And I'm going to be pitching those as television series coming up. And um, I've got another project that I'm going to attempt to write a screenplay for uh, because I think it's really an important book. It's very, very important. So I, you know, I'll, I'll try that. We'll see what happens. Oh, man, that sounds great. Um, well, in your you know, your, your production chops or your production resume is really pretty impressive with General Hospital, the Showtime Comedy Club Network, People's Choice Awards. I mean, so many different areas that you have, that you have touched with that. But I see on your website, which is kakyoung.com, C-A-K-A-C, young.com, you're also a licensed religious science minister, a certified archetypal therapist and counselor, a certified meditation teacher, a career coach for actors and directors, medical Qigong teacher, and a former pilot of private air. Do you ever sleep? <laughs> sure. Every now and then. <laughs> Every now and then. When I can fit it in. Wow, you really make time of your hiatus periods, apparently. Yes. <laughs> Whenever you get a chance to to rest after a show. And are you still in production, theater and uh, television and film production? Well, I have, uh, over the past few years, I've shot a couple of pilots, um, but I haven't worked steadily as a uh, in production for a while. Um I I wanted to get a lot of these books out of my system. I wanted to do that. And now I'm ready to go back into uh, television, but I don't want to go in on the production level. Uh, you know, it's, a, it, it's an industry for young people and it's a place where you can speak 
expand a lot of your young energy and life and times. And I've done that. I've worked the 14 hour days and I've worked seven days a week round the clock for, you know, months on end. I don't want to do that anymore. I have a balanced life. And like, uh, like, you know, I do have clients and I teach Qigong and I like to have people understand that you really must integrate body, mind and soul. And sometimes the television industry will try to vacuum up all of that from you, although it has gotten better. It's a little bit more balanced. People are, uh, you know, are actually having lives and trying to balance things out. So, um, but it's a, it's a big commitment. Everything else stops. That's what you do. And I, you know, I have other commitments in my life now that I want to um, uphold. So I don't know that I would get into production production, but I certainly will sell my novel. I will certainly be there uh, to oversee the scripts and to, you know, act as a producer, executive producer, that kind of thing. Um, whatever I can negotiate for myself. Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. Yeah. You certainly do have a, have a, have a well-rounded balanced life. You also have a podcast. Tell I do. Podcast. Yeah, tell us about your podcast. Well, it's wonderful. Um, there is a person named Hercules Invictus, and he interviewed me on his show many times. And he is in New Jersey, and he has a, a whole block of time that he has uh, purchased, I guess, from the CERN network. And he has many different hosts. Uh, I My podcast is the first Wednesday of every month. And then he has someone do the second Wednesday and the third Wednesday. That's just Wednesday in one hour time slot. And then he has about four different shows that he personally does. Um, so I, I can really handle just one once a month. There's a lot of research, a lot of reading of the person's book, a lot of constructing the questions. There's a lot of pre-work that has to be done. And I like to bring my guests on having, you know, being really familiar with who they are and what they're doing uh, because they've given up an hour of their time to be with me. So I, I feel it's, uh, you know, I want to educate myself in their world first. Then it's a really good interview. Then I can really bring out uh, things that are important to them and things that they have written about and what they're what they're doing in their life. And so I have an amazing group of guests that um, have become friends. A couple of them and I are talking about some projects together. So it's uh, it's kind of some interesting way to meet people in this, in this you know, framework and to meet other uh, souls that are after the same thing. So I do enjoy that. The Art of Healing is... Um, I don't know, my whole, I'm doing a whole institute about healing and I already have right up, I, up now a feng shui certification. So if someone wants to get their certification in feng shui, they can take the course on my art of healing. Um, I guess it's a school, it's my institute. So, and I'm going to put up um, a crystal education and essential oils education. 
um, as I develop them and put them, you know, put them on there for people to have. But I will have courses in a lot of different things within the next five years. You'll be able to, I, I want to pass on to the world what I've learned in my life in and teach it in the way that I would want to be taught. So uh, that is something that I'm going to leave this institute um, behind. And uh, so I've got many years left. I'll just be working on that, probably put up one uh, course uh, and certification per year. That's my goal. Oh my gosh. And, and where can we find that? I don't, that was not uh, in the materials that I saw. I see it. I'm looking at your website now. Um, Is this a separate website? Um, yeah, this is a separate website, um, and I don't really publicize it that much right now because it only has the one certification course on it, um, and uh, I think it's called AHA, the Art of Healing Academy, and the theartofhealingacademy.com, I believe, is what it, uh, that it, how you get to it. So anyway, that one certification course is there and I'll be building it. And and then then we'll start to market it once I have more than one course up there. Right, right, right. Yes, here it is. Here it is. I love how it's the acronym is AHA. Yes, yes. Oh, you got that. Great. Oh, of course. (laughs) Good. Of course. AHA, I get it. Aha, where has this been all my life? Aha, there's a better way to be. Aha, there's a better way to work with people. Oh, absolutely. I think that's beautiful and wonderful. So, um, yeah, the course is divided into body, mind, and spirit sections. This is great. Yeah, you never rest. (laughs) You've got a lot going on. It's just wonderful. And And you see clients currently. I do. I do. Not as much in COVID, but I do. I have clients online. I have clients. I prefer to work with someone um, in person because I find that it's really, you know, I like the in-person dynamic, but it's been hard to do that in COVID. And uh, But now we can start to open up probably the summer and the fall as people become vaccinated and, uh, you know, can prove that then I can work hands on with them. Are you vaccinated yet? Absolutely. Me too. Get full immunity by tomorrow. Oh, good. Good for you. So exciting. Right. And so um, you, of course, are in the Los Angeles area, the Los Angeles, California area, and you can see clients there. But really, on your website, there's everything that um, we would need to know, including all of your books as well, and your blog, and you know, all of the raves about you. Um, and I love that you, I love that you do Bach flower remedies. These are powerful. And I think they just don't get the due that they should. So I'm just seeing this now on your, on your, um, on your book page, your shop page. So, um, yeah. Tell me how about how you got into Bach flower essences and remedies. Well, here's the, a fun, uh, a fun anecdote. It, you pronounce it batch because that's how they pronounced it in Wales. And Edward Batch was a physical, a metaphysical. Uh, he was a, 
a medical doctor um, specializing in bacteriology. And he even came up with some patents and particular methods that are still used today, mm-hmm. uh, similar to uh, uh, homeopathy in that he mm-hmm. would take um, a bit of what was bothering you and re-inject it into you to build up an immunity ag- uh, against it or for it, really. So in that way, he used um, a little bit of the same thing to cure you. And then he decided that there were seven different personalities in the world, and each personality type attracted a certain kind of illness. And based on his breakdown of that, he came up with his 12 healing premises. And from that, he developed his flower remedies because he watched in nature how how nature and birds and Uh, other creatures worked in the conservatory in London and he would find that they would do certain things to heal and that they would go to certain plants to heal and that they would, they knew instinctively what to do to cure their ills. So he began to say, well, if they do that, what's wrong with using flowers for human beings as well in flower essences. He wanted to really and truly do no harm. He wanted not to hurt anyone with an injection. He didn't believe that pain cured anything. What he wanted was gentle, light, vibrational healing that the human form, which is all vi- all atomic vibration, we are all vibrations and we are chemicals. He wanted those to respond to the vibrations of the flowers. And so that's how he began his work. And he was extremely sensitive, very, very intuitive. And he was very personable. He loved people. He loved life. And people flocked to him in this little house that he had in uh, England. And I have been there. I've been to the gardens. And it's very, uh, very sweet and very rural and very uh, calming to be there. And that's where he lived and worked. And so that approach then caught on with his assistant who continued his work and then uh, she taught others and so it's handed down information I mean he was still alive in the 30s and 30s and 40s and and it's still a new science if you will but because he was a medical doctor and because he knew how the human being worked from a medical perspective his uh, thoughts and opinions and approaches were medical in nature but spiritual and holistic and vibrational in the other that is wonderful and thank you for filling me in about that is pronounced batch because um, I've only seen it written and it's really very um you know, it is groundbreaking stuff even decades and decades later, almost 30 years, almost 100 years later. But um, I think that essential oils have kind of eclipsed them in a way. But these are just even more broadly applicable in some ways, these flower essences. 
And I love that you you pull those in as well. There's not it's more common in Europe. I'm not finding it as much here in the states. So wonderful. Um, yeah, what do you have coming up besides the the novels and the possible projects that are coming out of that? Well, I just finished a book called Magical Trees, and I submitted it April first to my Mango publisher, mm-hmm. and they will. They haven't said it. They haven't even finished reading it yet. It's sixty thousand words, so they haven't even finished. But we'll be probably publishing that in the fall. And that was a very fun, exciting book to write. So it's all about the magical powers of trees and how we need to bond with trees as human beings in order to survive. So it's all the gifts the trees have spiritually and physically and how we can use their medicine. And I even have recipes in the back for how to cook with tree parts. (laughs) Really? What 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 kind of tree parts can you eat? Well, um, we'll start out with acacia, and there is a recipe for um, deep fried acacia blossoms, which is basically a tempura batter on acacia blossom flowers, and you fry them in a healthy oil and set them aside, and you have crispy acacia blossoms. It's very fun. Oh, that sounds yummy! Oh my goodness, you can. I I like the idea of foraging, in your yard or the forest for dinner. Wonderful! I can't wait for that to come out. That'll be fun. We'll have to have you back on the podcast to talk about that. Thank you. Be super fun. Now, do you do you think there's anything else that we should know about the work that you do? Anything we haven't covered, haven't mentioned yet? Well, I think it is to approach the world we live in with respect. Mm. And if I can teach that or have people understand that no matter where you look and what you touch, uh, it, it really requires the human being to be humble, to respect the universe, to be a gracious guest for the time that we are here to not ruin it, but to help it grow and expand and not destroy it. And to understand that we are a small part of the life cycle that comes across this planet. And it is our job to preserve that for the future. Wonderful. That's a great message. And I can, I can tell that through line goes through all of your books and all of your work in your work with animals and also in your work with, with women's rights as well. Sure. Right. Absolutely. So CAC Young, your website is kacyoung.com, kacyoung.com. And then also, aha, the Art of Healing Academy.com, which I'm, I'm really excited about. We can find your books online. We can find all of your books on your website um, as well through, as through Amazon, Barnes & Noble, um, all major book publishers and outlets. Thank you so much for joining me today to Radiate Intelligence. It's been a pleasure talking with you today. Thank you, and thank you for having me on, and good luck with the rest of your podcast. Thank you.
Radiate Wellness is a community of holistic and alternative healers and consultants based in the Kansas City area dedicated to helping you create spiritual, energetic, and physical well-being. To learn more about our practitioners, services, classes, and events, or to schedule an appointment, visit us at radiatewellnesscommunity.com. Hello, I'm Dr. Stephen Farber, and I'm an author, teacher, psychotherapist, and shamanic practitioner. On my podcast, Healing for Your Soul, I welcome some amazing guests and introduce you to some healing techniques like earth magic, working with nature and animals, and really getting to the heart of what is keeping you stuck. I want to help you deepen your spirituality and let go of blocks that are holding you back. Let me help you in this journey called life. Part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Subscribe and follow wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode. <laughs>